You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and I have a guest here with me today to talk about, I was going to say book, but books, everything that she does. So I am going to let her go ahead and introduce herself and let you know where you can find her online. Yes, thank you for having me, Stephanie. I am Danielle Dolsky. I'm the author of four books and an (laughs) oracle deck. And my latest book that just came out is The Holy Wild Grimoire. And you can find that in all the places that books are sold. And my websites are just my name, DanielleDolsky.com. And then TheHagSchool.com is the website that I teach through. So that's how you find me. And I'm very excited to be here. Very excited to have you. And listeners, as always, I will have all of Danielle's links over at whichwednesdays.com and over on Patreon so you can find those easily. So let's dive in. I mean, we're mostly going to be talking about your newest book, but holy cow, have you been busy? <laughs> Four books and Oracle. That's that's a lot of work you have put into your witchcraft practice and business. Well, since 2017, so it's been spread out a little bit, but that's yes. still a lot. That is not that many years ago. <laughs> it seems like a million lifetimes ago, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's been, I guess, about one book or one project a year since then. So yeah, wow. I've been busy. Very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. So let's focus then on your newest book, because I just read that one um, and I have lots to say about it. But before I dive into my specific questions, do you have like a, like an overview, like couple sentences of what you tell people this book is about? A a, a couple sentences. Um, No. (laughs) Well, let's see how many sentences this is. So (laughs) the, it it began as sort of a companion journal to the Holy Wild, a heathen Bible that came out in 2018. I wanted to write a companion book for that, um, that book, which, which sort of contained these revisionings of women from the Bible's stories and sort of allowing their stories to become a little bit more empowering and very different from the ones that maybe we were used to hearing. And then when I started writing this companion journal, it became very quickly apparent that it couldn't possibly be just a companion journal to a book I wrote in 2018, because like we already said, how many times have we lived and died since 2018? So (laughs) it was, the language was very different and it was just turning into kind of its own entity. (laughs) So it is essentially an invitation for the reader to write their own grimoire. So it's not a traditional grimoire in the sense that it has a lot of correspondences or spell recipes. There's some of that in there, but for the most part, it is an invitation for the reader to both reflect on maybe all of the 
lifetimes that they've lived in the past few years and where they are with holding the tensions of the times and asking themselves, why am I claiming the name witch or even witch curious or witch adjacent now at this weird time in the world story? And then what are my visions for the yet to come? So it's sort of weaving those three strands of time together and inviting the reader to consider, you know, what that means for their story. I don't know how many sentences that was. <laughs> probably more than a few. <laughs> probably more than a few, but um, a great summary. And I I know the answer to this on my end, but from your opinion, uh, have you noticed a growth in witchcraft or witch adjacent community since everything that has happened in the last couple of years? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and even before that, I mean, it was almost like we were, I mean, really, I think I noticed it since 2014 and 2015. Um, sort of like, you know, the, the world preparing itself <laughs> for what was coming, maybe, I'm not sure. But but yeah, um, certainly, the name which becoming more palatable and, you know, not something that even people that don't consider themselves to be witches and maybe don't have any witch people in their lives, they're still able to befriend that word and they're not afraid of it anymore. So yeah, for sure, I've noticed a big change in recent years. And I think that a part of that might be uh, climate collapse and how witchcraft has always been a religion that is of the earth. And so being able to look at witchcraft as being a bit more medicinal than something that's terrifying or <laughs> whatever people assume that it was before that maybe just maybe everybody's considering that oh there's something to witchcraft being a remedy for the poisons of these times so yeah yeah absolutely and speaking of people sort of owning that word and being more comfortable with their practice and themselves you really encourage the use of a journal with when reading this book because you have a lot of journaling exercises in here I do yes I am a big fan of journaling I as a writer so I think that we all have a primary art and for me writing has been the thing that I've done since I was a child and I think that whatever your art is it's a medium or a channel for allowing the other world to speak through you and so if we're working with writing having a journal, not just to kind of log what you're thinking, which I think is sometimes the way people think about journaling, um, that they're just sort of like writing down exactly what they're thinking. But really the act of writing allows something new and strange and surprising usually to come through. So yes, I can't recommend journaling highly enough. And I know that it's a boring <laughs> word. I wish there was a better word for it, but it's not just journaling. It's like, you know, this whole uh, magical, um, medium. Yeah. It is. And it, it goes along with, you talk about in the book, which is probably one of my favorite phrases ever is word witchery and word. Witchery. Yes. I love everything <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, word uh, stories were the original spells and words are spellings. We think about, you know, spelling a word. So yeah, I think, and even gr grimoire, the etymology of grimoire is grammar. 
So we've always had, you know, words be magical and we've always been inviting words into our witchcraft. But I think that at least for me, you know, I came to witchcraft in the 90s, <laughs> the late 90s, and it kind of seemed like, um, you know, w Wicca was more trendy than than witchcraft was or more readily available anyway. And within that, uh, under the, that umbrella of Wicca, there was a lot of like rote incantations and, and things that had been written by other people that are really beautiful. And I did love memorizing them. I sort of looked at it like a um, antidote to me being forced to memorize Bible verses when I was younger. <laughs> I was like, well, now I'm going to memorize the Wiccan read. So take that. <laughs> But, but, but when you write your own incantations and your own spells and your own um, poetry and even your own story, there's something so different in that, um, you know, that doesn't need to um, feel like it's less important or less potent because in many ways it's more so. So, yes. Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. And I, was an English major in college. So I love words myself. I'm right there. Oh, with you, you get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but in addition to all of the, you know, journaling exercises, you, your book is also organized around the five elements, which is something I really enjoy because I, I love an organized format to a book, like where it just follows naturally. <laughs> that makes me so happy <laughs> that I can like, follow things and spread it out and understand like what I'm reading, like in order. And then it naturally like flows into the next elements. So I love that. So how did you decide to sort of set up your book that way? And how does it relate to the witchcraft in general? Yeah. So I like books that are organized too. <laughs> and when I'm structuring a book in the beginning, because I do tend to write pretty linearly. So I kind of like map the book and then I just kind of go from beginning to end most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And the, you know, in the beginning, the consideration is like, okay, so this isn't something I'm just writing for me. So if I want as many people as possible to read this book, what are the lenses that I can present as far as a structure for the book that everybody's going to feel resonates with their own story and where they come from, regardless of any background or what tradition they subscribe to. And there aren't that many answers to that question <laughs> besides the elements or maybe the directions so there's or the seasons there's certain lenses that we all kind of understand because they are universal and so organizing um, the holy wild grimoire and then the holy wild the heathen bible according to the elements it just kind of made sense because I wanted as many people to read it as possible and I needed to structure it in a way that I felt people would understand um, was true for them and not just, you know, something that some writer that they don't understand where she comes from is presenting to them as truth. So I think that most people, you know, when they hear earth, they understand, okay, that's the sturdiness, that's the roots, that's the ground. When they think of water, they're understanding, okay, that's the fluidity, the movement, the creativity, the fire is the heat or the purification. So there's sort of these universal understandings about what the elements mean that just kind of made sense as far as structuring the book. It really did. I mean, I, I love the way that flowed. And I agree that everyone sort of has like this base understanding of the elements, whether they 
are well-versed in witchcraft or not, it's kind of universal. Right. Yeah, I think so. You know, even, you know, looking at traditions that are not of witch, like Ayurveda, for example, traditions that aren't witchcraft traditions, they still have all of the same themes in them. So, yeah. And there aren't that many of those lenses that everyone's like, okay, yeah, I get that. We, we all <laughs> we all agree and understand. Yeah, I, I agree. There's not, there's not too many. <laughs> so it's, it's great that the elements can be used in that way and sort of connect everybody on a very base level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, allowing that to just be the container of meaning that they then fill up. So, you know, if, if earth doesn't mean ground to somebody, if, you know, they have something in their story where earth means something else, then there would be room for that. So it's just sort of this foundational understanding about what the elements mean. And then the reader can turn it into kind of whatever they want. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of turning it into whatever they want, (laughs) you also talked about ancestral stories and looking back and changing things and not just ditching the Bible completely. And I find that really interesting because a lot of people do when they adopt witchcraft, they're like, Bible doesn't exist. And Mm -hmm. the (laughs) people in it don't exist. And you took a different view of that. Yeah. And I think that that's probably, well, not probably, definitely that comes from being 42 now and, you know, having lived through maybe 10 years of complete rejection of my childhood religion. So I do feel like that might be an important first step. (laughs) I I don't know for sure, but for me it was. Um, And yeah, in, in the Holy Wild Grimoire, I think I quote Joseph Campbell and say, he says something along the lines of like, you can't just completely reject the stories that were put into you as a child because they're in there whether you want them to be in there or not so when I read that it really struck me because it was like well I have a lot of stories that were put into me as a child and most of them are biblical stories so then what's the gift or what's the treasure if I'm not rejecting all of it and just saying like you said the bible doesn't exist and let's just (laughs) pretend this never happened (laughs) I want to take something from those stories and make them, you know, dig out the treasure and find out what part of that story is still in me. Um, Because I really did. I was raised going to church twice a week and um, then a born again Christian school until I was about age 12. And then all of that kind of fell apart for reasons that I don't need to get into. But the first 12 years of my life were really spent deeply entrenched in the Christian experience and having to memorize these stories and like word for word, these Bible verses ad nauseum um, over and over again for years and years of my childhood. So of course that's in me. You know, it couldn't, I couldn't surgically remove it. So of course that's in there somewhere. So now what do I do with it? So um, in, you know, reflecting from this little bit more of a mature place and having been removed from the church for a very long time now, um, you know, maybe almost 30 years. Wow. I haven't said that out loud before. (laughs) It's probably, probably a little over 30 years that I haven't, um, you know, attended a church on a Sunday. Anyway, um, I've had to go to weddings and funerals like we do, (laughs) but um, having a regular experience has been a long time. And now I can look back and see, wow, these stories that are in the Bible, some of those are really great stories. 
um, in you know the Song of Solomon, Solomon or Psalms, you know that's great poetry. If I can look at it a little bit more objectively and not, um, you know, just completely see it through that lens of, um, you know, this is what oppressed me and this was a source of abuse, and you know that all of that's an important knowing for my story. But if I can look at that book a little bit more objectively, I can see that there's really great stories and poetry and words and even spells in it. So yeah, I could go on, but I'll stop there. (laughs) I've heard that a lot from witches who still use the Bible in certain ways that it's basically a spell book. And I know Mm -hmm. there are a lot of traditions that will use the Psalms specifically as Mm -hmm. part of their spell work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I live outside of Philadelphia and there's a lot of um, uh, sort of folk traditions around here that will do that. Um, that's not part of my practice, but I like it. You know, I like this idea of like, you know, kind of witching it from the inside or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I find all of that very interesting. It's not something that I do or use either, but I love mm. to read about the different traditions that do. Yeah. See the overlap there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Witchcraft is everywhere. (laughs) It it is. Which under other names. Perfectly into my next question and something that I like to ask everybody is Mm -hmm. what in terms of witchcraft, what does a standard day or week in your life look like? What are some things that you do regularly? Mm-hmm. It really depends on the season. I just, um, I guess I always have this knowing, especially this time of year, but it seems really um, potent and loud this year for some reason, how different my life is in late autumn and winter from really the rest of the year. I sort of have this um, because I lead a lot of in-person events in the summer. You know, the summer sort of like my peak fruition time when I strangely don't have a lot of energy (laughs) I really reach my final form in autumn and summer is kind of a difficult season for me but so my rhythms in summer are really like kind of go 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 um and my rhythms around now and starting in September I guess they they do start to maybe not slow down but time does feel like it's moving a little bit slower there's this Irish idea of eternal time and um, they reference it when they're talking about all of those fairy tales and even more more modern folk tales about when people are just walking along the road and then they fall into fairy oops and then they return home to their people and it's been generations that they've been gone so eternal time is is linking the quality of your experience to the rhythm of time and so if you're doing something you really love then time effectively feels like it's slows down. And I think that that might have something to do with it. My rhythms in autumn and winter, they feel slow, even though maybe I'm still doing quite a bit. Um, So I do, I, I, I wake up in the morning and I have this very specific practice that only takes five minutes because then I don't have the rest of the day to come up with excuses. If I wake up in the morning and I do it, then it's done. Um, So it's sort of standing at the altar and lighting three candles and then seeing what I can see. So it's sort of inviting three messages to come in about what's going to happen um, 
for in my world. So it's sort of a selfish question. Um, what's going to happen <laughs> to me this day and then see what information I receive. And then I just kind of like allow that to um, uh, invite the other world into my experience as I move through the day. I'm sort of looking for those three things that I've seen. So um, that's one example. I also do a lot of teaching online. So that sort of happens during the day. And then at night, I'm spending time with my family. But I always have that morning practice. One of my favorite teachers, Michael Mead, he's like, you always have to do one thing in your day. So you can look back and say, wow, I was really alive for that part of the day. The rest of the day kind of got away from me, but I was really alive for that part of the day. And so that's my morning practice. That's Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's very smart to do that in the morning and, and have your moments, even if it's just five minutes and then you're covered for the rest of the day. At least and then I'm covered. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the spell work, I don't do spell work every day. Um, I guess there's some witches that do, but you know, that's sort of something that also gets a little bit quieter this time of year. Um, I don't have a lot of high fire manifestation spell work or high magic this time of year it's more about ritual and um maybe like learning some new stories and reflecting and doing all of those things that's easier said than done but <laughs> i do i do try <laughs> no i i completely understand i think all of us have those energy ebbs and flows and there's no way i could commit to spell work every single day it's just it's not going to happen in my life no not every day we need the dark moon times Yes, absolutely. So we can how, appreciate it. How you recharge? <laughs> it's important. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I completely understand because my rhythms are similar to yours, where I just feel more alive this time of year. Like going into the winter is my favorite season, mm -hmm. uh, and the the summer I just crash like on all levels. I can't do anything. Yeah, and I can't do spell work. It's just I, I know it does not. I was wondering if you can have reverse seasonal depression. <laughs> I am sad in the summer. I mean, I love, you know, being able to go outside and, and enjoy things with my friends, but as far as like the witchcraft is concerned, I'm like, I can't do you right now. That's <laughs> not. Exactly. Yeah. It's tricky. Not, not solitarily. So, so like leading these, all the events that I lead in the summertime, I really can get into it when there's a lot of people, of course, but yeah, my own solitary spell work, it just kind of wanes. Um, I don't know maybe post Beltane. I think I'm still good at it at Beltane, <laughs> but yeah, definitely June and July. It's, it's difficult. Oh, and then when it's August, absolutely. I'm like, it's almost fall. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting closer. <laughs> no, completely understand. Same. Absolutely. I actually start um, decorating for like fall and Halloween and into the winter, like on August 1st, because I'm like, no, oh, we're yeah. done with the, the summer. August 1st is my day. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> in, in terms of your sort of what you do daily rituals routines do you have an element that you connect with more than the others probably the earth element um I've always felt more at home in the mountains so um since I talked about the gnarly parts of my childhood I'll just share that I was also raised half of the time by my grandparents who had a cabin in the Pocono mountains and so it was pretty removed from the world um you know like there was no tv so it was like books and writing was what I was able to do there and I've always felt really at home 
in mountains, forest more so than the sea or so. So yeah, the, the earth element feels more like home to me. Um, but if so that, so then in my spell work, if I need something to come in that I sometimes call it the shock of the strange, I need something to come in. That's going to be like a little bit surprising and give me that magical click. That's when I would use other elements like fire, which does scare me a little bit. I like it, but it scares me just a little bit. And so I might invite the fire element into a spell if I needed a little bit of that shock of the strange, but the, the earth element is where I live, <laughs> where I prefer to live. I like, I like that shock of the strange. That's, that's a good point. I do that too, but I've never had like a phrase for it before. So no. yeah. <laughs> something that's going to scare me a little bit. We need that sometimes. Otherwise, yeah, it too. Too, I, too, too comfy. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's more common than people realize they have like one that they're attracted to and use more often. And then when they need something just a little bit different, they go like completely opposite. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's important. So yeah, I have a lot of beginners who listen to this podcast. So mm-hmm. do, if you could offer one piece of advice to somebody who is brand new to witchcraft or maybe even hasn't adopted the title yet what is your advice for a complete beginner yes I love this question (laughs) my my go-to advice is always to go back and reflect so it takes a little bit of time you want to be able to give it like an hour or more but you go back and reflect on all of your life chapters so you sort of think about the epic novel that has been your life and if you're breaking that up into chapters do that sort of like title the chapters and know that they don't have to necessarily be evenly spaced in duration. So if you, you know, went on an epic vacation and it was only two weeks, that might get an entire chapter. Um, I have a almost 10 years of my life that I would just say is one chapter. (laughs) So they don't have to necessarily be evenly spaced in terms of linear time, but you want to name as many of these chapters as you can think of. And then You look within those chapters for what I call the feeling mind moments. So you look for the fleeting moments in time throughout all of your lived chapters when your body, mind, and spirit were yoked together in one place. So it's it often comes through in your art. So let's say your art is gardening. You know, you could be gardening and thinking about like, your to-do list or the electric bill or whatever, or you could be gardening and you're like all in. You're like, yes, I love the dirt under my nails and the smell of the soil and all of that. And so when you're all in, that's the feeling mind moment. So these are fleeting moments in time, like you were staring at the full moon and you just felt fully present or you were dancing or or, uh, having sex or painting or whatever your art might be. And you try to name as many of those feeling mind moments as you can within all your chapters. And then you look for the patterns. So that's where the epiphanies usually happen. When you look for the patterns in those feeling mind moments, You and the, they will be unique to you. So for example, maybe you're always alone in those feeling mind moments. Other people almost have it as a requirement that they need to be in relationship or with somebody else during those feeling mind moments. Maybe they're all occurring at the same time of day or the same season, or maybe 
there's an element like we were just talking about that's more present. So, you know, with sunrise and stars and campfire, that would all be the fire element. So those patterns start to step forward and become illuminated when you're looking for them. And you can see these common threads throughout your experience when you really felt like, okay, I'm the most me when I'm doing this. And then those are your themes. And so then you can clearly see, well, that's kind of what I'm being oriented toward then in my life. If this, these are the themes that show up, the patterns that show up when I feel like I'm the most me I could possibly be, then that's probably what I'm supposed to be doing (laughs) with my life and in my witchcraft. So you can usually find not only the elements that you might um, emphasize in your witchcraft, but you can sometimes also find the time of day when you might be more, you might feel more comfortable practicing. You can see if you have a lot of relationship and other people in your moments, maybe it is a coven that you're being called toward versus if all of your moments are solitary, then you're probably totally fine being a solitary (laughs) practitioner. So you can dig out a lot of signals um, as far as what shape your craft might take from looking at those feeling mind moments throughout your life story. Yes. Sorry, that was a lot. I do love that no, question. <laughs> that, that is such a great answer. And I would say even as somebody who does not consider themselves a beginner, I have never done that. And now I really want to, like, I really want to <laughs> sit down and, and do that. I mean, there's like little bits and pieces of what you said that I've, I've picked out and I have done that. I have kind of like looked at, like, I know when, or like which elements really bring me out. And I know sort of like the time of day things, but I've never like sat down and like looked at my life like that so that is super interesting now yeah. do it. and now we're back to the beginning where I need to get a journal <laughs> yes becoming the witch detective the other thing that, that shows up sometimes when you do that is the way you like to raise energy because I think sometimes newer witches aren't sure like okay, so do I chant or do I dance or what do I do like to raise the energy in a spell container if it's just me on my own? And you can almost always have your form of energy raising becomes apparent. Like if you always felt like you were the most you when you were dancing and you have a lot of dancing moments that you're listing, then that's clearly a pattern that might point you toward dancing to raise energy, for instance. Um, If you have a lot of music, then, you know, uh, drumming or singing might be the way you like to raise energy. So yeah, there's all of these little clues you can get from that practice. Yeah, I love that. I'm like already thinking of, things that I like don't know about myself that would come through in that. So not that I need an excuse to go buy another journal, but, but now I have one and I'm going to do it. So, yes. Journals that, are everything. Yeah. That's in my shopping list. Cause now I need another one. I have a great idea to do it. So yeah, I think that's a great practice. And I think after people listen to this, they're all going to, there's going to be like a rush of buying journals to, to go with this, but you know what? It's perfect. Because then they can do that exercise and then they can use the journal as they're working through your book. So they'll be perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which, yeah. As, as having gone through your book, I absolutely recommend that. Like if you're going to, you need a journal. <laughs> so, like, you do need so a sizable good. journal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good like exercises and like nuggets and things to like write down. So I, I, good tip. <laughs> <laughs> but other yeah. than that, like anything else that we've covered, is there a you know, single takeaway that you want readers to get from your book that we didn't cover? Well, with all my books, I always hope that the reader uh, feels a, 
a sense that their own story is incredibly important. I think that we all feel that way anyway, but well, maybe we do. Um, but I really hope that all of my books and maybe especially the Holy Wild Grimoire, because there is so much journaling and reflection that goes on that it kind of, you know, validates where you already feel you're headed and that it names your story as just as important as any other story or an old story. Um, you know, I'm sharing these old stories in that book as, as story lanterns that illuminate what wants to be seen, but your own story can do that too. So that's always what I hope is the most important takeaway is like, oh, my, I have a lot of magic in my own story. So yeah. Good, good takeaway. And I will definitely have the book linked so everybody can find it because I think especially at this time of year, if you are looking for a holiday gift for somebody, for the witch in your life, <laughs> I think this <laughs> book plus a really pretty journal and maybe some pens would be a really great gift idea. Oh yeah. I love holidays because I would, I would love to get that myself. <laughs> as a gift. But it's, it's really fun then. It's not just, you know, handing over a book, you really like put some thought into it and there's all these journal practices. So it's something that they can take with them into the new year. So highly recommend that putting it that high on my list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. I love that idea <laughs> of a journal with the book. Yes. But thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time and telling us all about your book and all of your works that you have done. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and and thank you for sharing all of your ideas. I know everybody is going to jump on board with that whole life story and learning more about themselves. Um, really great tip. So thank yeah. you. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. And listeners, that is everything that I have for you this week. Again, everything will be linked over at whichwednesdays.com. So you can check everything out and I will see you next week. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.